Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. Um, what's new? What's new? Um, I lost my job. <laughs> that That's new. Um, I worked at a Jewish synagogue in Los Angeles for actually today would have been my four-year anniversary. Um, I was let go last week due to budget cuts. I'm not going to get into it. Um, not political or anything, but honestly, like, I feel really good. It definitely was a shock. You know, it's all pretty much always a shock when you're let go, especially when, like, earlier that week you think you're doing fine and, like, everything is fine. And, you know, I'll be honest, this was not my dream job. It was sort of, like, a means to an end. Of course, Los Angeles is an expensive city. I need a job, but I feel good. Like, I've had, honestly, it's been, like, overwhelming in the week since I've lost my job. So many people, like, reaching out to me and wanting to talk, which is fantastic. Um... So fingers crossed, um, I do have a couple of promising leads. Uh, this episode is for once being recorded today and will come out tomorrow. Um, usually we record a week ahead, but naturally <laughs> last week and was a little bit of a we- I was in a little bit of a weird headspace, so I didn't record. Um, we're doing it today and hopefully going to bang out another episode after this. Um, so also caveat that the books that I'm going to be talking about today, I did read at least a, a week ago-ish, which is really not that long in the grand scheme of things, but in Rachel time is like, you know, three years. So forgive me if I am even more faint on the details than normal. Um, yeah, so hopefully, um, in another episode or two, we'll come back to you with a very exciting update that maybe I have a new job. And if I don't, you know, that's okay. I still feel it's a really hard time. It's a weird time, but I feel like you know, everything happens for a reason, as cliche as that is, and, like, this is hopefully for the best. So it's just been, like, a really weird week. Like, obviously, there's the tangible benefits of, like, sleeping in and not having to do the stuff that I didn't like doing and want to do, but it's also, like, as much as I love to, like, sit and do nothing, I'm also, like, okay, but I don't have a job right now. Like, I need to be doing as much as I can, but also, like, understanding that as lovely as it is to have a bunch of people reach out and want to talk and connect, it's like there's only so much I can do before I get exhausted and I don't want to burn out too soon. And I feel like I just got to hit that sweet mix of like trying and actively looking and like hoping for something to happen with also like I was employed at a company for almost four years and now my life is different and the world is different and like taking some time to absorb that is definitely important. Um, so there's your little life update. Um... Like I said, it's my birthday on Friday, turning 27. Um, I mean, honestly, it's not going to look any different than it really would if the pandemic wasn't even happening. Um, we're probably, you know, we're just going to order food. Quite a few new films are dropping on February 12th, which is my birthday, including the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella with Brandy. Oh my gosh. If you know, you know, like iconic version of Cinderella, iconic cast. Perhaps I will do like a little more in-depth analysis and digestion of it. I mean, I had it on DVD when I was younger. First I had it on VHS and then I had it on DVD. Whoops. And I mean, Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella is pretty much an iconic musical. And then like, you got Brandy, you got Victor Garber, you got Whoopi Goldberg, you got Jason Alexander, you got The Duty Plays the Prince, you got a really big cast. So we'll, we'll talk about it more after I rewatch it for the first time in years. But we are here to discuss today's five books. And first, we have The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. Um, so this was definitely, you know, one of those, you know, best, being touted as one of the best books of 2021, even though we're only like a month and change in, I don't know how, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic book, don't get me wrong, I'm just like, it seems kind of presumptuous to be like, this is one of the best books of the year when we don't even really know what the rest of the year has to come. But anyways, um, 
being touted as sort of like a modern day James Baldwin, um, a really fantastic black author um, exploring the Deep South and exploring plantations. This is a fictional novel, um, but we primarily focus on the two main characters, Isaiah and Samuel, who have a gay relationship. However, um, it's really not like it's a gay it's two men and they're engaged in a homoerotic relationship, but it's really less about sort of, you know, this gay love and more just like this, this forbidden love in general, because these are two black men. And so black people were already looked down and not treated as equal. And, you know, it all it so it explores um, what happens when you live on a plantation. It explores, um, you know, what also happens when one of the the slaves starts to kind of become conformed and start to really, you know, see himself as like a, as an Uncle Tom, like a sort of, you know, master adjacent figure and the different relationships and the different ways that people cope with this horrible concept of slavery. Nothing about it is glamorized by any means, but Jones Jr. does a really wonderful job of like picking out the, the good moments and the moments that kept people alive and kept the joy because although this it's such a horrible unfathomable thing to think about is people literally being treated like property and like less than an animal they found a way to survive and they found a way to find joy and beauty and grace somehow and it's really beautiful how he picks out those certain moments um naturally also the book is called the prophets so there's that ancestral component um I forget exactly what year this book takes place in, but it's sort of the tail end of slavery. I mean, slavery is still very much present, but I think there's start of talking about there's people free in the North. Um, they have plenty of past ancestors who experienced slavery before them, and their deaths and tragedies are what lead to sort of this larger culmination of what it means to be part of um, a group and what it means to have this family background and this ancestral um, compilation, even, you know, blood is thicker than water and sort of, you know, family and the horrors that they've been through. Excuse me. Um, and just sort of the, the, the weight and oppression that's been passed on for generations and generations. And though this isn't exactly, you know, like the good Lord bird, like John Brown, like this is a slavery rebellion and awakening. There's definitely the tides are turning and there's a sense of change. And we get this really great vignette into this one plantation that's representative of probably many during the time. So really just sweeping, fantastic, fictional, um, not really historical, I mean, set in history and set in the past, but in Jones Jr.'s version of the world. And there's definitely sort of a little bit of that supernatural, like mystical element with the prophets and the ancestors, but um, it's not anything like super, I mean, I want to say like Mulan. I mean, I love the, <laughs> love the ancestral moment in Mulan, but there's no like Mush character or anything in this. It's a little darker, um, but ultimately nothing. I mean, there's definitely some sexual assault. There's some rape. There's some darker stuff in here. But again, it is not glorifying any aspect of slavery or of that time and really just showing um, what, as best as Jones Jr. can, what life was probably like back then. So that's that. We are going to pivot to Murder and the Movies by David Thompson. It has been a while since I've read like a more academic, exploratory text, especially about murder and movies. Like, if you know me, you know, like, I love the movies. I love murders and true crime, especially murder uh, movies that have to deal with murder and true crime, but that are fictional, like Silence of the Lambs, favorite movie, if you know, you know. Um, so this is an, it's, it's definitely an academic text in the sense that it takes these pieces of medium and explores them and deals with a larger thesis, but there's not really much academic jargon. It's very accessible and readable. So even if you're not, don't be turned off by the fact that I say it's an academic text. I mean, it's certainly something I could have seen myself using for 
a research essay or something in college. But again, it's also nice to revisit those themes while reading a slightly more like conversational tone. Um, So some of the things that he explores are like the strangers on the train and the um, sort of Patricia Highsmith novels. Um, He explores the Godfather. He does a really great chapter about the shining and sort of um, a a different, I don't want to give away too much, but he does a different take on the shining and so much of what I've read. Um, I've read a lot about The Shining and now I can't off the top of my head, like really remember what he's saying, but I do remember when I was reading it that I was like, oh, this is a different take. And there's like some stuff that I hadn't really thought about. Um, there is a great sort of, uh, chapter too about Hitchcock and his background and a little, learning a little bit more about Psycho that I didn't exactly know. Um, I wrote an essay about Psycho back in college and, you know, I've seen it quite a few times. Um... He explores Seven. He explores also just sort of like this uh, pulling from Goodreads again, forgive me, but um, this warped triangle. So um, that's sort of his overarching thesis is um, there's the creator working out a compelling death. There is the killer doing his and her best. And there's the entranced reader and spectator trying to cling to life and a proper sense of decency. I think that's what I love about movies and about these films is all the different layers and all the different people and intentions and the director's trying to say something, the audience and the reader are getting something, the, the characters on stage know things that are in the film, know things that we don't or we know things that they don't. Um, so it's definitely a very readable but also like educational book. Even if you haven't seen all of the movies, it'll make you want to revisit them or it'll make you want to explore ones that you haven't read and it'll kind of just like make you feel like, I mean, you learn something every time that you read, but it'll really make you be like wow, like, I'm, I'm going to look at The Shining a little bit differently now, or I'm, I'm going to take something away from this thing that I thought I already, like, of course, I don't think I know everything there is to know about it, but it's like, okay, I have a good grasp on this. And it's always fun and exciting when somebody tells you something about something that you thought you already knew a lot and tells you something new. So that's Murder and the Movies. I'm always like, I hate to watch these because I know that my posture is so bad. Like, it's definitely something I've been trying to work on. I know I've slouched and been hunched for quite a long time of my life. And so I'm like, slowly trying to correct that. But it's, it's so much easier to just like slump like a little shrimp. Anyways, next up, we have Cheeky, a head to toe memoir by Ariella Elevik. Um, I don't want to say that this is the first time I've had a graphic novel on the or I guess a graphic memoir on the podcast. But I'm, it may be. Um, Cheeky is a head-to-toe memoir by Ariella Elevik. Um, it's just about one woman's search and journey for body acceptance literally from head to toe um, as told through fantastic illustrations that she draws herself. Um, I think I knew about this because I'd seen her works and her comics and her little, like, um, she has, like, a separate Instagram for her art. Um, I just saw that somehow and felt felt really, like, relatable and it was really cool and she definitely... Um, has a good sense of what it's like to be a woman without sort of the the fancy Instagram paint that you put on to try to be one way. Um, it calls herself a never-ending DIY project. So we go, you know, each chapter focuses on a different part, literally from head to toe, starting from the hair on your head all the way down to the toes. And through it, it's, um, you know, there's an overarching sort of coming of age and sense of self and sense of acceptance that is throughout the entire work. Um, but also each chapter is really great because I know that I personally have like some areas of my body that I'm less happy or less comfortable with than others. I'm sure everyone else does as well. Um, so to hear her really just like pick apart and sort of like be honest with how she used to feel and 
pretty much every part of her body or chapter, you know, it's, it's a work in progress, but she's had sort of already a moment where she realized whatever she was doing when she was younger and how she felt at one point in her life, then some sort of come to Jesus moment, um, ironic since she's a Jew, um, through discovering sort of her, her friends and this group of girls and women who made her feel more comfortable in her body, um, then passing that on to other women and just like embracing your imperfections, really learning to love yourself from head to toe as cheesy as it is. Um, and it's the sort of thing that again, like boosted, <laughs> bolstered by these really cool, wonderful illustrations that she's done herself. So she's really, uh, I think a lot of graphic novels or pieces of work, usually the person does both the, the drawing and the writing, um, but it's colorful, it's fun, it's definitely an easier read, even though it's like 200 something pages, it's, you know, there is a storyline and it's not just comic panels, it's a story told through pictures, um, and it's not a picture book, there's an overarching memoir writing, like the writing is great too, but enhanced by those fun illustrations, especially for something that is so visual and visceral as the human body. Um, it's just a lighter, fun, different thing than what I would normally read, but it was at the library and I am excited to check out her work and see what else is to come. So check that one out if you have not already. Next, we have This Close to Okay by Lisa Crossmith. This one I literally just snuck in under the wire. I read it last night. I replaced another book. Sorry, true story. You were good, but not as good as This Close to Okay. Um, Lisa Crossmith, I think I have featured a collection of her short stories on the podcast before, So We Can Glow. If I haven't, I should have because it was really good. She's written a couple other things that are fantastic. Um, so I had high hopes for this. I didn't really know too much about it when I started into it. It seems sort of like a rom-commy like Nicholas Sparks thing but I know that she's a writer of a lot of depth and usually has multi-layered meanings so I expected there to be a little something more than that um our two characters Tally and Emmett are fantastic like it's a dual perspective novel so Tally happens to save Emmett's life Emmett's about kind of in media res about to commit suicide we find out why throughout the novel and it's pretty sad situation and Tally is a therapist and she's just immediately drawn to him and finds this connection with him and ends up saving him from committing suicide on the bridge and through that in the span of just a weekend, how they become so close and enmeshed and we get their dual perspective. So we see one thing happens to Emmett and one thing happens to Tally and we know that they're both keeping secrets from each other and we know that something is going on, but Lisa does a really great job of like slowly parceling out those bits. So just along with the characters we're finding out more and more, especially Emmett, like it's definitely alluded to the fact that he has a mysterious past and like some weird stuff going on. We also know that Tally is probably lying and hiding some stuff from him, but there's no denying that their connection is super, super palpable, super amazing. Um, it was a really great novel because I don't want to give away the ending, but it's not tied neatly with a bow. It's this close to okay. So we're not totally okay, but through the connection of others and through these sort of random happenstances, how we can get as close to okay as possible and recognizing that that's okay is like a really fantastic thing to um, figure out. And it's just really about like powerful, the, the power of chance and sort of, you know, you don't know what you need until someone else shows you and how something like the kindness of a stranger or just one weekend spending with someone, how that relationship and foundation can change your life forever. Um, without it, again, it happens in a very realistic way, even though it's kind of a crazy scenario that this woman just finds this random man on the side of the street and takes him in and sort of like falls in love with him, but has her own baggage. Like it's a lot going on, but it works really well because it's just a weekend. Everything is heightened, but then we get to see how, again, like how this event impacts their lives going forward. They're both really nuanced, three-dimensional, really like vibrant characters that came alive off the page. I inhaled this all 
I wanted to make sure I finished it before I started recording it. Um, didn't want to not know the ending, and I'm glad that I did have that sort of culmination because it really helps me appreciate the whole of the book a lot more. Um, so not, I mean, it's fun. Definitely it's a little, it's, it's not dark. There's no sort of like rape or sexual assault or murder or anything like that, but it's just sort of a realistic, slightly magical realist because it's a novel and there's, you know, always some components that are not super realistic, but like what, what happens if you happen to just be walking by and save someone's life and how does that change your life? Well, find out in this close to okay. And last, we definitely have a heavier book. Um, we have White Tears, Brown Scars, How White Feminism Betrays Women of Color by Ruby Hamad. Um, there's definitely been a lot of more academic texts that I've seen floating around, especially um, with the Black Lives Matter movement being so prevalent last summer. Um, a lot of people who felt that they weren't educated or didn't know enough about the subject were like, I need to read this. Um, I guess, you know, this is saying for readers of White Fragility, um, which I actually haven't read, but I've, and by no means am I saying, oh, I'm educated and I know everything, but I feel like, and hopefully you've seen throughout this podcast, if you've been listening for a while, that I do really love to read a diverse selection of readers. I love to read BIPOC stories just because I feel like, you know, I can read my stories about white people who are like me, but like, that's boring. I want to get to know other people's stories. I want to get to know other people's experiences, especially when they're written by the people who have experienced um, those stories or somewhat similar. Um, and so this is a much more, uh, it takes a look at sort of what the past few years especially have done in terms of how white feminism has sort of elevated um, women and sort of their lack of minority, but how it really doesn't take into account the women of color um, who are already a minority by being a woman, but then also that of color and the sort of stratosphere and lack of equality just between white women and black women is something that I, again, really don't think about um, just by having the privilege of being a white woman, but that's something that's very uh, explained with a lot of nuance and gravitas and like not any hand-holding, but it, uh, she takes apart situations like the Hunger Games and and people's upset at the casting of the character Rue and how she was a black girl when everyone envisioned that she was a white girl. And like, that's something that just didn't even cross my mind. Um, obviously, some things that I'm a little bit more familiar with, like, you know, the barbecue Becky Oakland video and like that sort of thing and how white people come in and oppress the black women again. Um, but also, she really explores the trajectory of that disparity between white and black women dating all the way back to colonial colonialism and how white women sort of look down on black women and have this jealousy and the, you know, the innocent white woman and the racialized, sexualized woman of color um, sort of, you know, dovetails with some themes in The Prophets, although this is much more focused on women than men. Um, but it's like, you know, there's, there's she deals with some questions like why are white men not troubled by the sexual assaults of women of color and like why don't we care so much about the white supremacy and superiority especially as it relates to women uh we think about you know white men and black men are you know white cis men but white cis women and just white women in general do have a lot of privilege and ruby hamad really explores that um and explores just sort of how we how we got to where we are and why black and indigenous women and women who don't present as white don't get as many benefits and why white women like myself you know are ignorant and not aware of so many other microaggressions and oppressions that are happening so this is definitely a great place to start if any of what i said kind of resonated or spoke to you or you just feel like you want to educate yourself more on this disparity between specifically white women and black women there's tons of novels and 
memoirs and historical pieces about race, about black and white and colors and everything. But I think this one in particular really hones in on some more recent moments and some more recent examples that are things that didn't even really cross my mind and really just kind of made me think in a new way. And that's that's the power of, of books and words. So I think that's that's it for today. I'm going to try to bang out another one soon, but you'll see that next week and I'll maybe like change something up a little bit here. Um, but until next time, stay reading everyone. Bye.